welcome. The Division of Career Pathways launched the following podcast episode in order to educate and support UCI students and alumni with their professional endeavors. Visit our site at career.uci.edu for additional resources. All right, everyone, thank you for being with us today. I'm going to start off by introducing myself, laying a little bit of housekeeping um, and what the day will look like or evening for us. <laughs> so my name is Brittany. I'm one of the career engagement educators with the Division of Career Pathways. We have some amazing panelists here. We were all chatting before you all came on and super excited for you to hear from them. We also have one of our fabulous peer educators, Bianca, who's going to be moderating um, the Q&A. So for the first uh, 45 minutes or so, I will ask a couple of questions from our panelists. And then the remainder of the time, you all will have the opportunity to ask questions during the Q&A. So think of questions, jot them down, um, and feel free to ask that when that time comes. So let's get started. Let's get started getting to know our panelists. Our first question I have for you all, what is your current position and what do you do in your job? Let's start off with Doyle. Hi, I'm Doyle Dean. I'm a production manager at North Country Public Radio. And uh, you might wonder, what does that mean? And sometimes I wonder that too. Um, it's a small shop, about 15 employees total. And we all wear a lot of hats there. I host a music show Monday afternoons, ncpr.org slash Dean's List. You can stream it uh, if you want. And um, I also produce video for the station for content. And I also host All Things Considered. I don't know if you're NPR listeners or not, but I, I host the local feed of that. So I'm not there chatting with uh, the NPR folks, but I, I you know do the weather and things like that. And that's pretty new for me. That's only the last two and a half years. I was a freelance uh, video producer and writer and musician up to that point, really since high school. I've been doing that off and on. I, I was a stay-at-home dad for a while. Didn't regret that for a moment, but now I'm back into the workforce uh, doing this. And I'm pleased to be here. Thank you so much, Doyle. Next question, or I'm sorry, not next question, next panelist, Sandra. Hi, everybody. My name is Sandra. I'm currently the internal communications and corporate social responsibility manager at Hulu. And what that means is uh, it's really about employee engagement and what Hulu does to provide a really great experience for our team members. So that's kind of the internal communications piece, making sure employees are informed about what's happening. And then the CSR piece is uh, everything that Hulu does to give back to the community. So I manage that program as well. Thank you so much, Sandra. And Steve? Hi, I'm Steve Chivers. Uh, I am a freelance uh, screenwriter, television writer, podcast writer, and actor. Um, I have worked in a lot of different genres and um, places in the industry. I've worked, been a sitcom writer. I've done our drama. I've written screenplays that never got produced. And uh, most recently, I've um, written podcast series 
And uh, I also went back to acting a couple of years ago after a long break and uh, made a short film that's been in about 15 festivals and now is being turned into a series that's gonna be streaming on Outfest now. So um, that is entirely a pandemic production. I am shooting it in my living room and I'm everything. I'm the actor, writer, craft services. So it's, it's been quite an adventure. Love that. Thanks, Steve. And last but certainly not least, Nikki. Hi everyone, my name is Nikki Sun. I'm so happy to be here uh, with you all today. Um, I guess you could say I've worked in media both in front and behind the camera for the past decade now. Uh, so my career has taken a lot of twists and turns, but it's always been applied to the same mission. So right now I would describe myself mostly as a tech host and filmmaker and filmmaker encompassing producer of shows. A cinematographer, I'm a director, I'm a video editor as well. I'm a partner with TikTok. And so it's it's being able to create content and storytell given the tools that we have while also championing marginalized voices. And I'm definitely a champion for more women and BIPOC filmmakers in the community. So I'm launching my tech and filmmaking website on International Women's Day on March 8th. So I'm happy to share more about that, but it's called Technically Speaking, which is a play off of the pun, technically speaking, and it also includes my name. Uh, but that's launching on the eighth as a resource for free um, to beginning content creators. So really excited to share that. Excellent. Thank you, everyone. So we're going to move into the next question. Can you share about the changes in your work over the last year from COVID-19? And perhaps we can have Sandra go first. Sure. Uh, so I mentioned a little earlier that my role is really focused on employee engagement. And so when we transitioned over to working from home back in March at Hulu, it, our team was very busy figuring out how to transition into a work from home environment. And so my team was really tasked with coming up with the COVID-19 response. Like what happens if someone gets COVID-19. We didn't have a lot of answers back back in March, April, May and things when, when this was just new. So a lot of my time was focused on that, making sure employees felt that they were still being you know, taken care of even though we don't see them all the time. But over time now, my role is really focused on uh, programs that engage team members. And so um, we hold virtual volunteering uh, events so that team members can feel connected together over Zoom or something uh, just to just to find some sort of connection just because a lot of us haven't seen each other for a while. And then um, the other piece is around keeping people informed about what's happening. And so we're still launching Hulu Originals, we're still launching different programs and policies and things. And so um, my team really makes sure that our employees are informed about all of that even when we're virtual at home. And then our publicity PR team takes care of that externally. Wonderful, thank you so much. And how about Nikki? Yeah, so this has been an exciting time uh, to say the least. I think, especially in video production or even media or entertainment, I think one of the biggest things is that we have to be adaptable. Um, at the beginning of 2020, before the pandemic, I was already transitioning to make everything go online and remote because that is an absolute dream of mine to be able to work anywhere and just make that a part of my everyday life. Um, but at the same time, there the pandemic 
also kind of posed a advantage for those of us who are in the field. For example, I was asked to do a lot more virtual production. So I was partnering with a lot of junior highs and high schools to help them create their end of the year talent shows. And I would mm -hmm. source the talent with the network that I had, be able to pay the artists and create more opportunities for artists to get work out because artists weren't really performing in outside venues. So it's like, how can we still support our local businesses or small businesses and our artists communities? I've always been trying to figure out how we can like share the wealth in that way. So virtual productions definitely ramped up. Another part of me is I got asked to host a couple of things in Florida. Um, and part of that came with knowing how to draft for the first time a contract that included COVID-19 safety protocols. So um, I got to learn a lot about that um, and drafted about a three-page COVID safety protocol that I had to have everybody sign, um, you know, making sure that you have a C-19 compliance officer on set. And there's just so many more things involved now when you're on set. Um, but at the same time, running a tech channel has also been um, I guess came out of a need that all these teachers and people had been integrating or interacting with technology that they never had before. And I wanted to find a way to show and share uh, how easy it is um, or make it less scary and more approachable for people who've never uh, learned how to hook up uh, HDMI cord with their camera or worry about audio or worry about lighting and just be able to provide more resources. So in a way, COVID-19 has amplified what I do um, mm -hmm. times 100. Uh, and so it's been my mission to continue helping in this time. I love that. I'm hearing, um, I think COVID-2 has also fostered new creativity too um, in this time to be creative in the ways we do things. And like you said, work from home and just uh, forcing you to wear numerous hats. So developing these skill sets too. That's great, Nikki. Thank you. And let's hear from Steve. Um, well, I think my, my experience has been similar to Nikki's. Um, I think one of the things that happened is there were things that were already changing because of technology that got accelerated. And um, Andrew Yang actually said in his book, which he wrote before COVID, he said, there are all these jobs that could be automated today, but it won't happen until the economy takes a hit because it won't be, you know, that'll be the driver. And um, he's absolutely right. You know, it wasn't so much the economy hitting, it was COVID. Um, but, you know, auditions are all self-taped now. That was kind of happening, but now as an actor, it's all about self-tape um, you, and you have to have your setup. You have to be able to, to do it well. The downside is you don't get that feedback of, you know, try it again this way. Um, and similarly with writers, um, you know, people are pitching shows via Zoom, which again is a, a challenge. A lot of people use what are called pitch decks, sort of like a PowerPoint video thing that goes along with it. And so I have a lot of friends who are saying like, how do you do it on Zoom? You know, how do you cut away? There's a lot of very technical things. And then there are shows now, instead of a writer's room, it's a virtual writer's room. And there's some new software being developed for it. Um, one thing I've heard is they're more efficient because it's just, you just don't small talk as much on Zoom. Mm. So it's a little more formal and structured, which is not, you know, there's a downside to that, but I also hear people saying they're, they're in, a, you know, they're, they have more normal hours. Mm. Um, so those have been probably the, the biggest things. And I did just shoot a short film a couple weekends ago and, you know, had to be tested and then quarantine and then 
you know, we had, if we had the mask and then, okay, take off the mask and we're gonna do this take and put it back on. Um, it's, it's a strange new world. It really is a strange new world, but it's inspiring hearing how you all have adapted. I mean, you have a film that'll be at a festival, you know, in the midst of all this, there's uh, so many things to still celebrate. So I love that. Thank you, Steve. And last but not least, Doyle. You know, um, Steve made me think of something that, you know, these problems, these, you know, I, I'm sure in, to a certain respect, Hollywood and we're, we're the, the students who are watching and listening have this, you know, entertainment, storytelling, Hollywood connection. And it, it must seem very distressing, but I just want to assure everyone, including, you know, my fellow panelists that, that these problems are really just opportunities in disguise. And I, I know that's mm -hmm. kind of like rainbows and stars, but, but it's so true. It's that, it's that you're, you still have value as a storyteller. You still, people will always want to hear stories and be entertained and, and the, the mechanism with which they receive that entertainment is the only thing that's being disrupted. And so, you know, yeah, there's this temptation to distress about it, but, uh, but don't, you know, anyway. Um, so my world, like everyone else's, you know, kind of went into upheaval uh, last spring when we were told with about two days notice that everybody needed to clear out of the station, like take, you, you know, that's the series lost when they discover the, <laughs> the buildings where people all lived. Okay. I still, I walk in, I go there on Mondays to the radio station. That's exactly what it looks like. Oh, somebody left here in a hurry, you know, and it's my office, <laughs> right? So um, we're tested every other week. We're, um, I'm totally tangent man. So please like wave your hand when I start blabbing too much. Um, we're connected with a, pri a private university in nor the far reaches of Northern New York state. I assume that my other panelists are in California. Am I wrong? You're, that's correct. Okay. No, you're not. Okay. Yes. I'm getting, I'm getting both. Okay. Um, so, so I'm a little bit uh, in a different kind of remove here uh, physically anyway. And then our radio station happens to be in a healthcare facility. So it's connected to the major regional hospital in this area. And we're like, oh, great. Well, you know, what's blowing around in the air ducts and stuff. And so um, we, nobody is at the station except for the person that's on air. Part of my job is, is hosting uh, a music show, as I mentioned on Mondays and then other things. But then the rest of the time I'm at home and I was, shooting maybe one or two videos a month in addition to my other workflow and it and it's totally self-directed uh, my um you were talking about uh employee satisfaction sandra i i have absolutely no complaints with my employer because i just get an idea for something to shoot and i just go do it i go tell a you know five or seven minute story and then that's it. And it gets on the air and they put it on the website and, you know, everybody's happy. I, there's some editing that goes on with one, I, one of my supervisors, but as far as the generation of the stories, that's all up to me. And so that's been great. Although we shifted when COVID hit, now I started working on a regional music project to get regional musicians, instrumental music use on air for our music beds in between programs. I'll stop talking. That's perfect, Doyle. Thank you. So moving into our next question, what career path led you to your current position? And let's start with Steve. 
Uh, <clears throat> well, I, I was a theater major, and so I always wanted to act and write, but um, you know, the thing with a career in the arts like that is um, there, the, the best chance is that you will not make a living doing it. You know, your best hope is that you will, but the fact is you probably won't. So you end up doing um, a lot of different jobs. I, I had a whole accidental career in tech. Um, I took a temp job at the UCLA Career Center, which is how I know the director at Irvine, she was one of my colleagues. Um, and I thought I was gonna be there for you know a couple of weeks and I ended up being there nine years and learning computer programming and you know all this stuff that I never intended to do. Um, so I eventually then finally got, you know, got staffed on a show and um, you know, went and did what I had set out to do years before. And then, you know, that show ended, I was working in sitcoms and they sitcoms kind of dried up and I be, worked in reality TV for a number of years. Um, so I've kind of gone, you know, followed the work and it's taken me, you know, different places. And like I said, into podcasting and stuff. So um, it's, you're less likely to have sort of a linear career. You know, there's a, um, a psychologist named Dennis Palumbo, whose his clients are all writers, and um, he always says, "What what makes people crazy is there's no cause and effect in Hollywood. You know, if you want to get a job at Google, you get the degree, you work, and then there's a career path, and you put in the time and you work your way up. It doesn't happen in Hollywood. It might happen overnight. It might be ten years, and it's very frustrating for people because it there isn't necessarily a payoff to the." Um, to the amount of work that you put in. So you have to be agile, you have to be able to adapt and, and you have to have a, a way to survive, you know, a, a, a job that pays the bills that doesn't completely drain you. It's mm. good advice, really good. How about we hear from Sandra? So um, my career path has definitely been defined, I guess, by, by networking and connections. So I actually, when I went to college, I came in undeclared, thought I wanted to do finance, took on a finance internship and hated it. Um, and then I actually um, thought I wanted to go into counseling. And so I started talking to people. I became a peer counselor. And I, even, I also worked at the UCLA Career Center. Um, and that's where I really realized that I love helping people. And I loved, you know, interacting with people, learning about their stories and helping them just figure out the next step. And so um, that's when I thought I wanted to go into counseling, but you know, that finance side of me that where I had that interest there was thinking, okay, where can you kind of combine that business part with helping people and that landed me in HR. I took on some HR internships at NBC Universal and a few other spots while I was still in college. And then when I graduated, um, I was able to land a job in communications at UCLA's business school. So not HR at all, but it was through a, um, it was through a connection from a friend who who thought that this role would be really great for me. And it was because even though it was a communications role, I was helping business students figure out what they wanted to do in their careers. So that's kind of the connection there and why that was a good fit for me. And then after a few years, I really wanted to um, further my career. And so I found this role at Hulu and uh, I actually got it because 
I had reached out to someone that I worked with at NBC Universal, asked her for advice. She was working at Hulu at the time and just wanted to you know, know the lay of the land at Hulu. I wasn't asking for a referral. I wasn't asking for any of that, but she ended up referring me anyway, um, passed my resume on to the hiring manager and the rest is history. I was able to get the job. I've been at Hulu for almost five years now. And so I really, really like all of the internships I've gotten, all of the, the jobs I've gotten have been through networking, have been through connections I've made who have said, who have gotten to know me and they said, this would be a really good fit for you, Sandra, even though I thought I wanted HR or I thought I wanted counseling. It was, I really talked to a lot of people to realize, to really figure out what I wanted. And I wasn't just because my first role out of college wasn't HR and that's what I was looking for. I was open to this communications role that still checked off the buckets uh, around what I actually wanted to do. And I was less focused on the title. Um, and then now I actually landed my role in CSR at Hulu because I that's not what I did when I first started. By talking to people, I volunteered for our give back advisory board where it's a group of volunteer Hulu employees that just love giving back. And I loved it so much. I told my boss, this is where my passion and my interest is in. And she made it happen where now I, I get to leave uh, HR at Hulu. So again, the connections and networking, the really, you know, making sure that you like create those possibilities for yourself where, where you can. Thank you. I appreciated that you said that you were open to, you weren't paying attention to the job title, but really what matched your interest and your skills. And you had people around that were advocating for you. So thank you. Let's hear from Doyle. Yeah, I went to college many years ago for radio, <laughs> TV, film. And I never really thought about that first word in my major, you know, it was just sort of like, yeah, yeah, it's whatever. Cause I was focused on film. And, you know, still sort of am. I, I'm the video guy at the radio station, which is incongruous, sort of. And then are there even radio stations still, you wonder? Well, yes, there are. And, um, you know, we're intensely aware of at the station of, you know, the changing times and trying to, we're actually hatching right now a five-year plan on, anyway, I'm, I'm tangent guy, I told you. So, um, school for that, moved out to Los Angeles, lived there for 10 years and worked in film and uh, commercial production, um, produced and wrote and directed my first feature film in the late nineties. And it just didn't go anywhere, which is, that's pretty typical actually. <laughs> you know, went to a couple of festivals and it was fine and everything, but um, that was back when to shoot on film, you had to raise a lot of money. And we raised a lot of money and spent it on making a film. And, you know, that was it. And uh, at the same time, you know, I was working as a production assistant, a production manager, doing just handling kind of like nuts and bolts behind the scenes stuff mm -hmm. as far as, you know, making sure things happened and for a production, nothing too sexy as far as fulfilling <laughs> my, you know, creative needs to, you know, the whole time I'm, shooting my own material and working out ideas and, and things like that. And one thing that making that feature film made me realize though, and I don't think it quite occurred to me until I'd left LA in the early 2000s to my wife start, got a job out of state. And so we, we moved. And, but I realized that 
I was much more interested in other people's stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I always felt like I had a lot to say, but I, I realized too that I could say a lot in who I chose to speak with and, and how I, you know, gave someone else a chance to explain and tell and, you know, inhabit the medium that I so love, but let them direct it and just, you know, step back a little bit and, and, um, and listen more than, than speak uh, through my work. And so that, that I did um, for a university here, we, we've actually been in this far reaches of Northern New York state. I mean, like the Canadian border is literally 35 minute drive from here. Okay. So like that, this is, this is not Manhattan. Um, but uh, so doing work for a university here uh, then led to the hiring at the radio station. So just completely roundabout, but always, you know, following that passion for the storytelling Although apparently I can't tell the story here in two minutes, right? But um, but in film, trust me, I can. That's all I have to say about that. That's excellent. Thank you. I love hearing the different roles that you've had, the different hats that you wear, and where you kind of fell into your your niche, um, being able to tell people's stories. That's awesome. And Nikki, let's hear from you. Yeah, I definitely resonate with my fellow panelists uh, on so many like levels but I know with Steve like it's like what we want to do in the arts and entertainment it's not necessarily something that's a help wanted sign you kind of have to figure out what it is that you genuinely love to do and find a way to make a living from it and then with Sandra it's like I agree you have to create your own opportunities a lot of the jobs that I got earlier in my days was just curiosity I job shadowed a lot of people that I was interested in kept in touch uh, when you say you're going to keep in touch with someone, keep in touch with them because like you're at the top of their mind. And I got a lot of jobs that way saying, hey, I know that you took a year off to be an RA. Like, uh, are you so interested in a marketing position? And then like I followed up and then I got that job just by keeping in touch with somebody. It wasn't like a job application. So creating opportunities in that way. And then uh, with Doyle, it's uh, storytelling is huge for me. So I wouldn't say there was one necessary career path that led me to my current career. I would say my uh, career and need for a storytelling uh, derived out of a necessity to see people like myself on screen. So mm-hmm. 10 years ago, uh, we had a thing called YouTube. Um, you know, it wasn't right now with crazy rich Asians and like all these other <laughs> finally we're getting attention that we so been wanting in the specifically speaking for the Asian American community. But 10 years ago, we had to really tell our stories through, on YouTube because no mainstream was getting our stories out there. So for me, it came out of a necessity to want to see my peoples, my community on the screen. And, you know, at the time, the only thing that was available to me was being kind of like a news anchor host. And I really wanted to focus on entertainment um, to add more dimensions to our stories that we weren't stereotypically your dragging ladies or martial arts or Kung Fu, or we speak choppy English, or we're really good at math because I'm not any of those. But it's like, how do I relate this? And so I started my own YouTube channel. And I started interviewing a lot of internet celebrities like Kev Jumba, Ryan Higa, like all the folks that were really OG at the time. And of course it was out of passion. I don't get paid to do this. It's purely out of passion. And at times it was difficult because it's not a help wanted sign. It's like, how do I get paid or create a living from telling other people's stories that mainstream doesn't care about in the first place? And I will say that 
knowing your purpose and your why keeps you going. Um, just uh, last two years has been an incredible reasoning of why I've been doing it. And I'm finding, finally starting to see the light. So like last year in 2019, I was asked to be the director of Unforgettable, which is the largest Asian American award show um, that honors and celebrates Asian American excellence. So Daniel Day Kim was our keynote speaker. Simu Liu was our host. We had John Cho and like we were honoring uh, the cast of The Farewell and Crazy Rich Asians before that. And then this past year due to this unfortunate pandemic, a lot of racism has happened towards our Asian American community. And, you know, and, and, and because of that, and because of my producing background, I've teamed up with other organizations that are combating hate right now to produce live streams. And I got Sandra Oh to come on to speak about it and all these other Asian American celebrities. And I think back on how I was able to do that it was my connections and my pure passion 10 years ago that started 10 years ago of what I want to see in this world. And so I might not have gotten like massive amounts of money 10 years ago, but it has definitely trained me for what I am doing right now. Um, so sometimes mm. I just tell, especially young people listening, it's sometimes it's hard to say what you want to do. Like people always ask me, what are you, what's your dream job? I'm like, I don't have a dream job. I know I'm happy right now. And my dream job is constantly evolving and changing. Uh, but maybe what I want to do hasn't been invented yet. Or what 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 I want to do maybe hasn't been created yet. And so sometimes you do have to take that leap of faith and do the things that make you happy. Because I was doing corporate jobs in addition to all my other side channels. And while they were helping to pay the bills and they were somewhat related with the more filmmaking backgrounds, I wasn't happy. And now I can say, even though it is a little hectic to go gig to gig, I'm creating more opportunities now for myself. Um, and it allows me to really put all my energy and time into it because it's something I'm truly passionate about. So it wasn't really one career. I mean, I've worked at Google before. I've worked at, you know, all these other things to make my parents say that I, I can do it. You know, I'm not just trying to not do work or whatever society deems as essential or not essential working or or high achieving or not there's no such thing um because if you're not happy doing it you're not going to be happy doing it but it really was a necessity for finding my passion and purpose like that really has truly led um and has been my guiding north star throughout my entire life so i i would say like there's not one career but just the purpose behind it um, that guides guides me in my, in my life. So good, thank you, Nikki. Um, what I really resonated with was when you said your um, passion was birthed out of necessity and wanting to represent uh, folks that look like you that aren't represented but don't fall into that stereotype. So really, um, being instrumental in that is really phenomenal. All right, so let's move into the next question. Let me skip one of these here um you know can i respond to something that nikki said of course you can yes I'm, I'm making it a panel there you um, go you know uh for i first i i really i salute what you're doing it's it's so important and um you know what to when i when i was making that film 20 odd years ago um i was cat i was living in Los Angeles, but I was casting it in Detroit. And so it was these, like Steve said, these, these, you know, video auditions, right. 
and um, there was one actor, it, it was some of it was comedy and he was just amazing. And he, he happened to be a, a black actor. And he, after I cast him in it, I was talking to him about it and he said, well, you know, I didn't even, I almost didn't even audition because I just came with my buddy. And he said, well, you might as well read because you know you do this acting thing and i said what do you, why wouldn't you audition and he said well you know you didn't say you were looking for um non-white people and i was like i gotta say that and you know first i was just flabbergasted that i would have to say that right but then i realized he's trying to also protect himself because he's walked into the room and seen that look oh should we even let him read? You know, we don't want a black guy in, in this role. You know what I mean? Like there's so much that just, that just needs to be expressed and expressly out there about um, openness to, you know, whatever ethnicity that I was not even aware of until I was already filming the movie that I had hoped would be, uh, you know, just a mix, just people, right? You know, there's nothing in the script that, says you know like like you said nikki there's like we don't need to deal with uh, this cliche version of someone's race they could just happen to be an asian person in this role you know and and i i blame a little bit the casting agencies out there who maybe some of them need to do a better job facilitating and you know not creating these or or at least keeping these barriers out there they're doing so much harm that that really that really if they didn't exist or someone there was a fruitful way forward we would not see such a such a you know just vacuum really okay i i've said too much if i can follow up on that it, there ha there has been a change recently which is good is that um on the breakdowns which are the casting notices they will say any ethnicity or they will specify if it if it is say an Arab American and that's integral to the um, part. But I, I've asked you know, writers this and, and uh, executives, like if, if you're reading a script and it says, you know, Joanne 30s, do you picture a white person just unconsciously? Mm -hmm. And they do, you have to kind of reset it. And, and, um, and the other thing, the group that is still really marginalized are people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. and, the thing that I think has been done well-intentioned that's been done in the past is if there's an Asian character, her role is all about being Asian, you know? And like, if you go to the doctor and, you know, you get a test and your doctor is a black woman, she doesn't say, as a black woman and a doctor, I have, I'm sorry to let, you know, inform you that you have a heart arrhythmia. And yet that's how TV has approached it. And so, they're getting better, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done, but it's the same thing. Like the principal of the high school can be in a wheelchair and it doesn't ever mentioned because it's not relevant to that story. The person just is there. They are just there existing. And I think- yeah, It doesn't have to be a thing, right? Yeah, and I think that that's a balance that, um, that they're still kind of struggling with. Really good. I appreciate that you all are shedding light on you know, where the industry has gotten better, but areas is a big opportunity being more intentional about, you know, diversity and inclusion efforts. Not just saying it, but really, um, I think, you know, when students are looking for roles, it's really important, you know, that they're looking for those things because people are being held accountable into a different standard nowadays. So 
thank you all for talking about that. I think it's incredibly important. So moving into, this may be our last question before we go into our Q&A, because um, we already have some questions coming through. So this question, I'm going to ask, what can students do to be ready for a position in your career area? And let's start with Sandra. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, I always say that it, it's, it's more about your soft skills than your hard skills, because you can always learn the hard skills on the job. And mm -hmm. so I, to be in internal communications and corporate social responsibility at Hulu or at any company, I would say like, practice empathy, practice getting to know people, practice talking to people and understanding them. Because I feel like, I mean, I've said this before, all of the opportunities that I've gotten haven't, I mean, they've been because people you know, trust me and they, they know my work ethic, but it's also because of the connections I've made with them. And like, I don't, I don't view things as transactional. I, I really try to genuinely make a connection. And, and that's kind of where it's taken me in my career. Um, even with this panel, I'm on this panel because I stayed in contact with someone who works at the UCI Career Center and we, we have a really great relationship. And so I think for any career, it, it's really about like having that understanding, empathy and emotional intelligence in order to, to really figure out how to do whatever tasks that you, you eventually need to get done. Excellent, thank you. And let's hear from Doyle. Well, I, you know, one one thing I would say keep in mind is why why do you want to do it? You know, what what is it about this? If if your answer is I want to be a famous, just stop right there. You know, let's let's have let's have I want to be a really really good whatever it is. You know that that other stuff I I I've taught um, I've taught sound production uh, and engineering um, over at the university here in town, and that's kind of what led to this. Uh, radio gig and you know some of the my students would just you know well well meaning I oh, just I want to be really famous uh, filmmaker or some you know let's not worry about that yet you know like <laughs> figure out how to do it first um, but I would say you know my job my my current job specifically you you just have to listen uh, it, I have I have when I found out I was going to be part of this panel, I thought I have two homework assignments. One of them for all of the students is to sit down and listen for 10 minutes and write down everything that you hear just in a supposedly quiet location, as quiet a location as you can find outside probably would be best. Some houses are quite quiet genuinely but just write down everything that you hear and you'd be surprised all of the different sounds that you hear you're not allowed to you know play on your phone for 10 minutes i'm not punishing you but just 10 minutes to just listen because and i i give this assignment to my uh audio students you know if you can't if you can't tell me all of the different things that you hear when it's quiet how can i trust you to tell the difference between a cello that's mic'd correctly 
and one that's not. And so you need to just kind of retrain your ears and reacquaint your ears. One of the, you know, most overlooked parts of film production is the sound. When we were doing um, commercial TV production, invariably when the uh, commercial would be done, you know, like a high budget, um, half a million dollar Budweiser commercial, it would go through sound sweetening, they call it. And so that's like an extra level of, I use the word like incorrectly. That is an X, it's the final step on the way of sound production. And invariably the clients would come back after that and nothing has happened to the picture. They would say how good it looked after that last sound sweetening. So we, we don't have the vocabulary really for sound that we do for visuals. Think of all the different nuances you can list as far as tone and color and shade and you know just how something is strawberry and not cherry in color. Mm -hmm. Now try to try to adapt that towards something that you hear. You just don't have the words for it. So um, my best advice for anybody interested in you know audio production or radio is just listen. It's it it sounds like, like a ridiculous, you know, hot tip, but really just just take some time. And the trick is you'll be meditating, but you won't know it. That's good. That's really good. I love that listening. I like that assignment too. I want to do that, even though I'm not. You know, I just think it's a good practice to be still to listen. What You're allowed. Hear? Yeah, You're allowed that's that's good, Doyle. Thank you. Let's move on to Nikki. Yeah, I would say to be ready for a career in entertainment or arts. Again, I think just echoing, just know why you want to do this. Because um, it's going to be a lot of long nights and uh, you're, you're going to get constantly questioned of like why you're doing it sometimes. So having a clear definition and answer of why you want to do it will be the first thing to everything. And I think since being in this COVID-19 situation, personally, I've been able to really do a lot of deep diving with myself of what it is in the world and not to get morbid, but sometimes knowing that mortality is inevitable for everyone at some point um, just really puts life into perspective. I've had a lot of like close family members, my dad passed away and um, it has really shifted my life's perspective that life is incredibly short. And if I were to go tomorrow, like what is it do I wanna be known for or what am I doing right now in my life that actually added meaning for my life and impact in the way that I wanted to see in the world, no matter how big or small, because it can be very pressure filled question if you're trying to figure out what is it that I'm meant to do in this world? And sometimes even just practicing kindness and being grateful and gratitude and showing up for yourself and others every day is enough. Uh, but in terms of tangibles, um, personally, because uh, I'm a very tangible resource kind of a person. I joined a blogger academy group um, that really taught us how to deep dive into creating content, creating, getting money for it, um, asking for what you're worth, creating a pitch kit. I have joined so many Facebook groups like freelancing females and especially during pandemic, everybody, we are just naturally social as human beings. So I would definitely take this opportunity to research Facebook groups that are pertinent to your um, specific community. There's a app called Lunch Club, which is free, but allows you to kind of 
network without leaving the comfort of your home and they just partner you up and pair you up with people who are in the industry and you get to kind of just chat on zoom like a happy hour uh, i'm also finding clubhouse incredibly uh informational just learning from people uh that are constantly just going on and since it's all audio based you don't have to worry about looking the type of way on camera and i'm there's like so many webinars uh, based on your interests. Like it could be filmmaking 101, like a whole open room that's absolutely free with people who want to talk and share about the latest and greatest in that technology. So I feel like with Google and with all the resources that we have available and us being home, utilize this time to really double down and hone in on what you wanna do because there is an answer for everything on the internet for the most part besides finding your purpose and why. So I would say like, first thing is figuring out what you wanna do and why you wanna do it. Second is there's so many resources, find mentors in your fields, uh, reach out, uh, you know, look at their work. And if you wanna be a filmmaker as well, create. Um, you know, we can be very creative and inventive with our ideas right now. A lot of the things that I got right now is because um, I shot my own stuff and I edit my own stuff. Um, and if it's something that helps you create a better story then figure out and learn how to edit maybe during this time so it allows you to tell like an even more comprehensive story so there's so many resources out there um, and i'm happy to like connect with you individually if you're looking for very specific groups to join but i would say those would be my tangible resources that's great nikki i wrote them down too so lunch work clubhouse feel free to share any more too in the chat um i'm sure students would appreciate that so good thank you and let's hear from steve um, I second everything that Nikki said. Um, and the thing about entertainment is there's a lot of different jobs. So, um, but the common thread I think is they're all about storytelling. If you're an editor, you are a storyteller. If you're shooting, you're a storyteller. Sound tells a story. It's not, it's not just the writers and actors. So you need to master storytelling and you do that by watching and analyzing and reading, um, there are obviously lots of you know books you can read about um, screenwriting, but get scripts. You know, get if you, you've got a favorite show or a movie, get the script and break it down. Um, take one of your favorite shows, watch it with a stopwatch, and time the scenes. See how long the scene was. Ask yourself what was the emotional energy at the beginning of the scene, what is at the end of the scene, and how did it change? Because there, uh, storytelling is really both an art and a craft. It's 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 very much a, a you know, like carpentry or architecture, where you use specific tools to build things. And the more you practice, the better you'll, you'll get at it. And that's the wonderful thing about all the tech we have now is um, if you're an actor, there's a Twitter hashtag monologue Mondays where people record themselves doing monologues and post them. And there's some Facebook groups with, you know, talent managers and stuff, and you can get feedback. And so um, you just want to practice, get a writer's group, get a group of actors, um, and then the other side of that is you, you really need to learn the technology. If you know how to edit, you know, especially if you want to work in something like reality TV, if you know how to shoot and you know how to edit, even if you're at a more beginner position, you might be doing rough edits or I've been, you know, producing stuff in the field where it's like, I'll say to a PA, can do you know how to shoot? All right, I want you to go and get a bunch of B-roll. And so now, now he's shot. Now we know that he's can shoot maybe the next, uh, the next time we go out he'll be the second camera or something. So um, learn that stuff and get to know it. And then um, the other thing I think is 
that you have the opportunity going on college, which is really, really important is internships um, for a couple of reasons. It's a way to try out and see if you really do wanna do that job. You know, a lot of things, um, like I said, somebody might think they love editing, but then you learn it's 10 hours alone in a room. If you're a really extroverted social person, maybe that's not the job for you. If you're an introvert, you might be like, I'm so happy. This is what I wanna do for the rest of my life. Um, so it's, it's a really good way to just try things out. And then also you're making contacts. And if you do a good job, a lot of times they, they kind of feel obligated, um, especially because interns often work very hard for very little money. And so they're like, you know, hey, she did a great job. Let's, and she's graduating, let's bring her on board. So um, I would just say, you know, do that, the networking, the internships and zero in on what you wanna do. And there's a thing that's a little bit, can be a little tricky, like, you know, you just wanna get your foot in the door and you'll take any job, but that first job that you take will kind of set you on a path mm -hmm. because if you're working, say in post-production and that's the first job you get, those are the people you're gonna be meeting. Those are the opportunities you're gonna be hearing about and you're gonna be on a track in post. And if you wanna be in the field, you've gotta make a turn. And so it's, you know, ideally you want your, your first jobs to be as close to the, the, the job you want as you can get so you can be on that path and making the right connections. Really good. That's great advice, Steve. I love that you brought up internships because uh, a lot of spaces are still doing them virtually hybrid, but we have a lot of um, internship postings on Handshake, um, which is, you know, job postings, internships, you name it. So really great, great advice from everyone. Um, so I'm going to wrap up this question portion. Um, well, we have another question portion coming up and I'm going to turn it over to Bianca. Bianca is our wonderful career engagement educator. And she's going to now be answering some of the Q&As that are coming in. If you feel like you want to answer, everyone can, or if someone feels like it's more directed, uh, feel free to take turns. Um, but I'll turn it over to Bianca now. You did a great job. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, thank you, Brittany, so much. And thank you to our awesome panelists. From a student's perspective, hearing you all share about your experience and your journeys, it's really helpful and it's really empowering. I think we've heard so many great things about the opportunities that COVID has provided to this industry. Um, some great points about representation in arts and entertainment and the need for more dimension in our storytelling. And then also really tangible resources like Clubhouse and job shadowing and internships and the importance of our network. So thank you all for sharing those things. Um, I'm going to take a look at the chat right now. And for our students watching, feel free to continue adding in your questions. Um, I'm seeing a couple questions about um, our graduating seniors who are getting ready to step into the entertainment industry um, and are wondering if you have any advice um, specifically for this time as they're looking for jobs and how to land that first role. And feel free to pop in whoever has anything to add. My, my advice was originally go door to door, <laughs> but that's not really, you know, and that, that's what I did when I was out in LA. I just graduated college. I just went from door to door. I had this little dumb guide of all the different production places and half of them were just mailboxes, et cetera. But, um, you know, I don't know about COVID. My, my, uh, 
cohorts perhaps have have an idea but, but to me you know an email or or whatever was always so secondary to some kind of in-person meeting but that's just not happening right now mm-hmm. you, know? you know i mean one thing you can do is um I, I know this is the wrong word to use, but cyber stalk people, because there's so much information online. Like if you want to work at Hulu, go on LinkedIn and see who you know, who knows somebody who works at Hulu. And if you have a, a blog, then um, re, you know reference other people and other people's blogs so that they will see that you mention them and that you got to follow. And um, you know just find out who the people are. Um, it's definitely is tough, but I think you can still cold email or or contact people. And um, you know, again, part of the why I say cyberstock is you really want to gather the research and and find out how you can be valuable. You know, nobody wants. You know, if you just have that kind of generic like, I really want to work at this place because I think it's really cool and I'm a really hard worker. It's like, what specifically are you bringing that they're looking for? What skill do you have? What perspective do you have? Um, and one good thing that has happened because that Hollywood has finally sort of woken up to diversity, um, it used to be the, like if you wanted a job on a, on a existing series, it was, can you capture the voice? So it was kind of about subverting your own experience and they wanted to know like, can you capture the voices of these characters and you know, get inside the head of the showrunner? Now they wanna know what you bring and what your story is. And um, so you kind of need to have that. You kind of need to figure out um, what's unique about you. What's your perspective? It, um, you know, it can be something good or something bad. It can be, you know, a lot of time, I just heard from a writer um, who, she was a doctor and she worked in an emergency room, but she really, you know, was burning to write. And people just, you know, on a medical show, boom, you know, they love that. or someone else, if another friend said, you know, we were the we were the second poorest family in my town. And I thought, wow, what a great line. Cause immediately I started, what does that mean? You're like one step above the bottom and you're looked down on it, you know, and like, I wanna know you. I wanna know what stories you have to tell. So I think that's you really need to develop your story and then just look and find ways to connect it. Again, it's it's storytelling. It's the story of me plus Hulu is what? What am I bringing? And then what comes out of that? Um, I would like to say that regardless of what career in arts and entertainment, the one thing that has always helped me is to simply work backwards. Um, it's about working smarter, not harder. And I'll give an example. When I was an actor, I, I switched for obvious reasons because I wanted to be the casting director. I wanted to be the director. I wanted to put people in the room, um, but I switched. But it's, it's kind of knowing all the roles in order for me to do that. So when I was an actor, let's just say your goal is to get on New Girl, right? You go on IMDb Pro, you figure out who is the casting director for New Girl. Then you go look at the, you know, who the top actors are, but you're not going to look at Zoe Deschanel or the top actors. You're going to look for the people who are maybe girl number three, right? And then you're going to see who represents them. Because the thing is, the relationships between the casting directors and your agency uh, is going to be a telling sign of like how close you can get into the room. So then I would email 
that talent agency because there'll be like little smaller agencies it won't be like CAA or WME it'll probably be like you know a little bit more of a smaller agency and if that small agency was able to get this person who doesn't have any other credits to their name on a show like New Girl I think your chances are pretty good so you would reach out in that way and say you know obviously you've done your research you've done your due diligence you were like I very admire I really want to be on the show or why um, they should care about you like again echoing Steve like you don't just ask people uh, like oh I want to be on the show hire me you know it's like well why Um, so um, I get a lot of questions too in my dms and instagrams like oh how do I how do you start in your career, I'm like, that's asking me to like take the time out of my day to address a question that's so vague. Um, and it doesn't really show me that you've put any energy or effort to like understand what I do or watched any of my videos. So also when you're reaching out, I would say like, uh, I know it's not door to door per se, but social media has become such a phenomenon. It's easy to get lost in the whole like, oh, I want to be an influencer. And that's the hardest part for me as a content creator is I don't like that word because uh, it really takes away from like years of training or work. Uh, like it feels like you can just post a picture and then that's how you get paid. There's so much more work that goes into it. But I would say like two of my jobs that I received was through a really professional reach out direct messages on Instagram. Um, I was able to film a and partner with Samsung and Pop Sugar to film my directorial debut in quarantine. Um, and that happened because I guess I might have been hashtagging certain things. So um, it could be hashtags of women of color or filmmakers of color. I don't know exactly what people are looking for when they're trying to find my page, but utilize everything that you have and uh, honestly work backwards because there is an answer. If you see it from where you want to be into how to get there, you can find a clear path to get there instead of just throwing things out and just guessing. There's a smarter way to work and there's a smarter way to get to where you want to be. Let me uh, just uh, to build on that. I forgot. There's um, a pretty active writer Twitter. Um, there's a hashtag pre WGA, which is for people who are you know serious writers but not yet in the Writers Guild. And there are um, powerful writers who will come on there and say, "Okay, I'm going to read three scripts, and if it's good, I'm going to retweet it and and tell everybody about you." So um, it's kind of nice. There's people have been kind of reaching back and helping people, um, you know, come up. So that's another, another resource is just explore all those online communities. And if you join one, like people's stuff, you know, when people post, be the person who says, wow, that was really great. And just so that people will see like, oh, that's a nice person. That's someone I want to work with. And also your face will start showing up more because you've posted. So just, just do that too. Yeah. Yeah, find ways to add value to the conversation and not just be someone that's so self-promoting and spammy. It's like people will know you and get to know you or will care to know you if you care about their work too, right? So I would do that too. I also like to, I know like in the entertainment world, like Nikki, you mentioned IMDb and things, but I guess more in the traditional sense in, in a role like mine, I would probably find it on LinkedIn, right? And so I, I actually like to use LinkedIn for as a career pathing exercise. So if I think about like my dream job would be a VP of internal comms one day, then I would search in LinkedIn 
VP of internal comms, just as the job title. And then I would just look at those profiles and look at the career path that 10 different VPs of internal comms have had, see where the similarities are, see where the differences are, because everyone has a different career path, but it shows, it, it pretty much shows you that it's not a straight line to anywhere. And it, it really helps you see, okay, like this person did this, like here's something I could do. It's kind of similar to what Nikki was saying when she looks up, you know, girl number three and reaches out to that talent agency. And then another thing I like to use LinkedIn for is to find those connections. So um, for example, like Steve mentioned to, to re just reach out to people, right? So I graduated from UCLA. So sometimes when I'm searching for people on LinkedIn, I use the filter as UCLA alumni. And then I find somebody that I may want to connect with. And then that's the commonality that I have with them. So when I reach out, I could say, hi, I saw that you are also an alumni from UCLA. I'd love to connect on this. If you can find one thing that you two can actually relate on, that'll help your chances of actually getting response. Um, because you have some kind of commonality. So same thing if, if you join a Facebook group with you know, lots of different topics, then you could say, hey, we're both in this Facebook group about this. Would you be willing to, to chat? Because people are, are more willing when there's some kind of connection than, than a random cold reach out. And I'm sure you have some kind of interest that you can like call on to, 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 to make that connection with someone. Yeah. I saw someone had asked specifically about auditioning and, and finding um, auditions. Um, Actors Access is um, a website for breakdown services that you can join. There are roles there, do student films. The great thing now is that student films look professional because the equipment is really good. They look fantastic. It doesn't even need to be a good film. All you need is 10 seconds so that you can build a reel. And, you, and that's the next thing you wanna do. Do those, if you shoot stuff yourself if you need to, but build a reel that showcases you. And then once you've got that, um, there are also, um, I'm not necessarily endorsing any of these, but I have done one-on-one um, -on -one NYC. Um, they, they do um, uh, workshops with casting directors, with agents, and it used to be in person, it's now over Zoom. Um, but you get to audition and you get feedback and you get to, you know, you get yourself known a little bit. So um, just start, you know, building, building stuff that way. But you definitely, as an actor, you definitely want to have a reel that showcases you because that's the first thing they're going to look at. Just to piggyback on that uh, from the content creation side, you know, this sounds a little preachy, but you should always be creating, you know, whether you have a quote job that says, we're going to pay you to make this thing, you know, your first jobs are going to be the things that you are able to produce on your own. And you're using your close network of friends safely, hopefully during COVID. And, you know, after this crazy pandemic stuff is over, um, perhaps this would be feasible, but whenever I was not busy and I was in LA, I would be, you know, um, producing my own uh, spec TV commercials and using the same equipment and tools as much as I could from rental houses and you run into people and, oh, what are you working on? And, you know, it, there's this whole, 
you know, social network that happens that's exterior that, that, that you don't see in the final product, which is these interactions and this your name productions, you know, what, whatever it is, you start your own and, and you do it small and sensible and you don't sell the farm and take all of, you know, uncle Joe's money and spend it on your reel right away, but little bits and pieces. And you're, what you're doing is you're feeding that creative beast inside you that feels compelled to make. And by the way, if you fancy yourself a content creator and that beast is not hungry to make content, maybe it's not the job for you. You know, I, I, I'm, 100% confident I would still be doing this kind of work if I wasn't and and when I'm not getting paid for it. I get itchy after a couple of days of not creating and I'll just go do something and hopefully, you know, the radio station can use it in some way. But just, you know, I would say just always be making. Mm -hmm. I say ABC, always be creating. Uh, but especially in this time, and especially for the young folks, I mean, I sound so I'm aging myself when I say young folks, but as a TikTok partner as well, um, you know, times are changing nowadays, like every single company has a position for social media now, like I was always as the young person in, in the, my jobs, I had to do my job and that it was just like something, first of all, you say no, that is a job on itself. You do not do that ish for free. Uh, second of all, everybody's looking for social media content creators nowadays and like people who understand TikTok. So if you're also looking into storytelling and trying to find a job as a content creator, you got to go with where the hype is as well. So I would say like, as much as you may love or hate the fact that things are vertical video as a filmmaker does kill me to see like a third of the screen. Uh, but you know, it's kind of where the money is going and where like the opportunity is. So I would even say create spec commercials. Coca-Cola did not tell you to make one for them, but you will make a 10 to 15 second video and say like, if I were to make a commercial for Coke, here it is. And then, you know, there's social media and you tag Coke and all of a sudden it's like, retweet this, you know, let Coke see this. There's so many ways to get your content um, out there as well. Um, so I would say like, just create, your own opportunities, but that has been another way that I've been seeing a lot of animators or uh, content creators get those job opportunities. You just create your own specs, you create your own content um, and always reach out and work with other people who are always on productions. I've been on set as a producer sometimes, or I'm on set as a grip or like, you know, just someone taking notes, but I just want to be on the scene and figure out how I can add value uh, to these companies or organizations and they'll remember you because you reached out first and they have nothing left to lose. And another example is I was at Google, I was hired for one job, but then realized we had so much downtime and I wanted to utilize my skills saying like, hey, I'm a video content creator. Can I shoot some videos of how to operate this Google Glass equipment? And it's completely free. They're not paying you extra to do that. So they're going to say yes. And on top of that, now when I graduate or like leave Google. Now I can say not only was I a Google Glass ambassador, but I also created video content for Google in their beta program. And that gives me another added level of expert experience and skills that I created myself. Like it wasn't assigned to me. I didn't apply for this job, but I created another role within the role that I was given. 
Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point of being proactive and doing your own independent projects and continuously creating. And like you also mentioned, paying attention to the trends that are in your industry. So like TikTok is huge right now. Um, and being able to learn those different platforms or technologies, I think that's so important. Um, I'm also seeing two questions in our chat. I know we talked a lot about, as Steve referred to, cyber stalking. I think that's great. It's very important to be knowledgeable and use our all of the resources that we have and all the information at our fingertips. Um, and I'm seeing some questions about um, how to avoid coming off as like self-interested and like best practices for reaching out. I think some of the things that I heard you all share was um, being specific with like what you're asking for, um, showing like that you care about this person and like what they're doing, finding the commonalities as Sandra mentioned between you and that person, whether it's like your experience, the school that you went to, or even just like your interests. Um, and yes, so I, that's some of the things I heard. I don't know if anyone else wants to add to that. Um, yeah. um, you know, there's the, I don't know if you guys know who Dale Carnegie is, he wrote, many decades ago, how to win friends and influence people. It's this classic book for, you know, salesmen and stuff, but his basic thing, which is the best advice you'll ever hear is people will be interested in you if you are interested in them. So, I mean, the way to not do this, I was at uh, years ago at a big Hollywood party with these A-listers and this guy came up to a very powerful producer and he literally said, if there's anything you can ever do for me, don't hesitate to call. Like he had it completely backwards. <laughs> um, you know, so it's like, if there's anything you, yeah, I really want to do something for a stranger. Um, but, you know, if you're intimidated or if it's someone who's, you know, more powerful than you, ask them about themselves. How'd you get your start? You know, I'm really interested in doing, how did you start out? Where did you go to college? What was your first job? You know, what's, can I, you know, just, just pick up on what they're doing and, and keep asking questions, not like you're interviewing them, but with genuine interest. And then you can also, that's, you should be filing it away in the back of your head as you're hearing it, like, okay, there's something I can follow up on. Here's something we're both interested in. There's a way that we can bond. But um, the other thing is just practice, get together with a friend. And, and I know it sounds awkward, but practice it and do be on the other side. Be Pretend you're the powerful person. And it was like, did that person come across as nervous? Were they irritating? What what made you interested? What did you feel a connection with them? Why or why not? And just just kind of try it out because it's it's very easy to feel intimidated and like uh, I'm wasting your time and who am I to even speak to you? And people just want to know that you're interested in them. They they like to talk about themselves. I would also take advantage of your student status right now because as a student, professionals are a lot more lenient. They know that you're learning. They know that you're still figuring things out. And it's a lot easier to ask for an informational interview as a student than as a, you know, you've already graduated, you're in the working world. And that still, that still happens and such. But, you know, for the most part, you know, people are, are more receptive to students who are still trying to figure out what they want to do. So really take advantage of this time right now, like at UCI figuring out what you want. One thing I wanted to add is if, if there's someone who's, whose work resonates with you, don't, um, you know, don't be too shy to just send a note somehow. I mean, I know it's hard to contact people. I'm not suggesting you 
try to reach out to Beyonce or something, but somebody you know, a few levels down that, that is, is maybe not getting inundated with fan mail, you know, I mean, if, if you're in a, if you're in a similar line of work or want to be, um, I'm not saying necessarily pester them for any tangible thing, but there's a reason that that person's work resonates with you and that you have that connection and, and, you know, um, expressing it is is not a bad thing you'd be surprised the number of times you'd hear back from someone i like to add with that saying um just know and i wish someone told me this when i was doing my thing people want to see you succeed um for me it's like community over competition but when you feel like that genuine fear of like who am i to reach out like Honestly, if I posted on Facebook, like, hey, I absolutely love so-and-so's work. Does anybody have a connection? I mean, you can say whatever that way, but like your network of people who just saw that now naturally just know if there's an opportunity that, hey, I'm producing an event with so-and-so that you happen to like, do you want to come along and meet this person? They will naturally, the universe will magically work in your favor when you say explicitly what you want in this world instead of hiding it and feeling so small um share exactly what it is that you want to do in the beginning of the pandemic i swear i said it'd be nice to direct a film one day but i'm doing all these other things i don't know if i'll ever be able to direct it and i kid you not in october that's when that email from samsung came out and said we would like to have you direct a, your debut on the new samsung phone and in a way it's like i said that out loud i didn't really think much of it but it's like if you say something and somebody says that they're, they're they really want to help you out in that way so i would say um also just relating current times and dms and stuff um i taught an audio and video class at i justine's inaugural blog university last year and one person in my class um showed up he tweeted so he can get a prize and he followed up with me in a video. Like he created a simple video just saying like, hi, you know, I was in your class. I learned X from you. I, I really wanted to find you and figure out how we can connect outside of this, but I couldn't find you. So I decided to create a video for you. Um, and for me, it just stood out. It was like, okay, this, this person has taken time out of their day to create something a little bit more personal. Like, why wouldn't I respond to that? And another way, because I do ask a lot of random people sometimes to be interviewed by me, I'm not paying you for it. So what would make you want to interview with me? I firstly share their work on my personal social media, whether it's on an Instagram post or Instagram story, I tag them. And then most of the time, if they're kind of caught in between a lull, they'll like the post knowing that they're going to be on the other side. And that's when you go in and say, oh, you know, thank you for responding. And there might be able, there might be a natural connection of why you would continue the conversation. But, um, you know, flattery goes a long way still. So I would share, um, you know, content within your own network or just reach out in that way too. It's like, it doesn't cost much. And Twitter is an easy way to also reach out to bigger companies and people because there's always somebody that has to um, kind of manage all of that. So whether you reach out and be like, I, I'm interested in this, is there someone you could connect me to within your company that, you know, manages partnerships or manages this? I would love to you know, uh, find a mutually beneficial uh, opportunity, X, Y, and Z, but that's, that's how I, I would do it. Yeah. I think the other thing to remember is it's a numbers game. Like I, when I first got out of college, I did sales, like um, commission phone sales, which was brutal, but it was also 
really good training for rejection. And they you know, had all these things like every no is getting you closer to a yes. And they had it down like you're gonna have to make a, a hundred calls before you get one sale. So we would literally like be taking off on an index card like, ah, that's my 67th no. Yes, I'm closer. And so you just have to you know, keep at it. Probably a lot of people you won't hear back from, it might go to their junk folder, but all you want is that one person. And I, you know, I think like what Nikki was saying, start weeks ahead by just following them and liking their stuff and then, you know, maybe reposting and then following up. So it's, it doesn't seem like this, you know, I followed you and now I'm immediately sending you a DM asking you for a job. Thank you. I think that's all really, really great advice. As we're nearing the end of our panel, I want to thank you all for being here and also just ask if you have any last minute insights that you'd like to share with our group of students. I can start with someone. Steve, would you like to start with sharing just any last minute insights? I think just, you know, be persistent, believe in yourself. Um, and know that it's, it's a, um, a lot of people who say that they, you know, had a plan and executed it, they're denying how much luck was in there. And so looking back, it looks to them like, hey, I did this and then this and then this, and it all just happened. And then there's someone else who did all those things and it didn't happen. So um, if you're not the person that it, everything happens for right away, you're not a failure. You're someone, you're just working. You're still working at it and, and um, keep at it. Everyone, you know, careers in the arts have ups and downs and lulls and peaks and you have to enjoy it. Just be along for the ride. Thank you. And how about we go to Nikki, would you like to share? You know, I would say at the end of the day, remember that you are enough. Um, that your authenticity and your personal story is uniquely yours. No one else is gonna be exactly the same as you. And I think it's very important in this day and age of social media and like even in the pandemic to feel like you're competing with fellow people for the same spot, but there's so much room at the top for everybody. Um, again, celebrate your wins and know how far you've come I know you guys are students but there's so much that you have done just to be at this point like if you're in this room right now you're already taking a huge step ahead knowing that you want something so something is bringing you here today to really accelerate your career and learn from people so give yourself like you know like all that love and grace as well for that but I think too is um Again, just figure out what is your purpose and your why. I know it's easier said than done. And um, know that, yeah, you, you are enough and that we're all in the same boat. We're here to cheer you on. And I'm also here if you guys want to practice your sliding into DMs as like I'm happy to connect and uh, figure out what exactly you want in you know your career path. And I can definitely connect you with as many resources as possible but we were in your shoes once too so don't be afraid to be authentically yourself and know that the world needs your voice regardless of if people say they do or not um but yeah you are uniquely you and you don't need to be comparing yourself I think comparing yourself to other people is like comparing yourself everybody has different parts in their life and so you comparing yourself now to somebody else's like 10 years of experience is so not fair to do to yourself um but keep 
keep the eye on the prize, which is what you want to do in this life. And um, hopefully that helps you navigate this very tumultuous roller coaster of a journey. Thank you, Nikki. And then passing it over to Doyle. Yeah, the Beatles had a number one record by the time they were your age. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you, know, you can't. You, you, you can't go comparing yourself to other people that it, but it's so tempting, especially uh, with social media being what it is. It's, it's in your face, but yeah, um, I, I agree with, with my panelists and um, I, you know, if you told me 30 odd years ago that I was going to be working at a radio station in Northern New York, I, you know, and I'm not claiming that that's some well, you know, well sought after prize or something, but I, I do love my job. I love, I love the work that I'm able to do. And, and I, I never would have traced that in, in any kind of straight line. It was completely roundabout. And, you know, Steve mentioned it as well, that, that, that this isn't like a straight path to, you know, whatever, whatever it ends up being. It's just, it's, it's following your passion and saying yes, as, as many times as you can, you know, within reason that, that comes with a caveat, right. But, but just be, you know, be open to new experiences. You'll, you, and, oh, and here's another thing. Um, if you haven't graduated yet and you've got those extra credits and there's some class that has absolutely nothing to do with your major, nothing to do with entertainment, but you're interested in it for some reason, take that class for crying out loud, take, you know, go do ceramics or go, you know, some politics class that just whatever reason it catches your eye, just, just take it because it's so, you know, it's so easy to do right now. And there is a reason that that, you know, is, is speaking to you or whatever. And then, so I said, I had two homework assignments for you. One of them was to listen. And the other one is take five minutes, whatever it is, and thank someone for something that gratitude is so uh, empowering. It's just beautiful. If there's a teacher that did something that, that helped direct you in this path, helped you find, you know, your passion for whatever it is that you're pursuing, or maybe a family member who's helping you get through school, just, you know, just take a minute and, and, and thank them. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And if everybody does it, I don't know how many participants we have, but think of the love that is going to be spread. That's great. It's really good. Thank you, Doyle. And then last but not least, Sandra, would you like to share any advice? Sure. Um, so one is it's okay if you don't know what you want to do right now because your career will change in many different directions. And then secondly, just give credit to yourself for just being able to get out of bed or just being able to take a walk or you know those little things that being in a pandemic surviving COVID-19, surviving social injustice, like there's so much going on right now. And so I, I think a lot of times I've even gotten lost in, in feeling like I need to keep doing lots of things to keep myself busy. I need to take advantage of this pandemic and learn a new skill, which is all great advice. But if you just want to relax and, 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 and take a walk or do something really simple, that's praiseworthy as well because we are all struggling here and we anything that we do is a just a step forward and 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 some kind of support so just take care of yourself during this time too 
Thank you. Thank you for all the wisdom and knowledge and experience that you've shared. Um, again, from our students' perspective, we really appreciate it. And it means a lot to be able to hear all of those things from you. So thank you for not holding back and sharing it all. It was really informative and helpful. Um, and for the rest of our students on here, thank you also for being here and listening. Um, as Nikki mentioned, like you just being here shows that you're being proactive. Um, so thanks for being here. We have more, um, we have more, uh, this series is ongoing and tomorrow there is a marketing and communications panel if you'd like to check that out as well. Um, and with all that being said, I'm gonna wrap us up. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening. Thanks Doyle for calling in from the East Coast. We appreciate that. <laughs> and I be hope negative five, negative five tonight. <laughs> oh, stay warm everyone. And I hope that you have a great evening. Thank you all. Thank you to all our panelists so much. So, so good. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. Um, it was fabulous. Um, we will have a recording of it. So when that becomes available, I will share that with you all. Today, we had about um, about 53 panelists at one time, minus us, but um, just appreciate your attendance. I know it was impactful for our students. So thank you. I want to be respectful of your time, um, but thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Thank Bye. you. Take care.